Blog Talk Radio. Casamento, the creator of FantasyDatingGame.com and the author of Dare to Date. I am here on this sizzling hot November day with Ryan Truax. Just making Blog Talk Radio great again, folks. Exactly. Here we are. Oh, God. Here we are. Yep. Yeah. Um, big night. Boy, a lot of stuff happened last night. There yeah. was a lot of things going on, and none of them had to do with... Uh, uh, anything that we're going to talk about today. No. Cause so, that's, so that's good. That is good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, we're going to talk about sex. Yeah. So everybody, get ready. It's going to get sexy. So uh, if you uh, would like to join in the conversation, please give us a call at uh, 323-870-3965. In just a little bit, we're going to be joined by Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. She's an intimacy coach and a psychologist who works with individuals, couples, and relationships, and, uh, and she helps them to, to, be, to live authentically, fully, sexually, sex, sexual lives. I yeah. didn't sleep much, America. <laughs> fully authentic sexual lives, I think, was what you were trying to say. Thank you, Ryan. No problem. Thank you. That's yeah. what I'm here for. Yes. Um, Please correct all my fumbles tonight. Yeah, I have to admit, after last night, uh, when I was thinking about the topic of today's show... I was kind of like, man, of all the days that I have to do this one, like today's the day. Because I got to tell you, like, my libido is just is not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not in the zone. I agree. I don't feel. Today I don't at all. feel very sexy I just today. Keep, I just keep <laughs> seeing like his big puckery face on. Like it just is in my head, and is not doing anything good for talking about sex today. No, no. All right, get it out of your head. Get it out of your head. All right. Think happy thoughts. Think, <sighs> think hot, sexy wife. Yeah, well, I do have a hot, sexy wife. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Yep. So think about that. Um, <laughs> this whole election thing really put her on a downer, though, too. So. Oh, God. Maybe that's one of the things we can, you know, talk to uh, Lori Beth Bisbee about today. Maybe. Uh, you know, pushing through uh, those types of... Uh, Grieving situations. Uh, yeah, or just, I mean, I think walls in general. You know, I do think that there are... Uh, certainly a lot of people who often allow, well, I mean, everybody, it happens to everyone. You allow uh, the other events that are going on in your life to come in front of uh, having a, an active or healthy sex life with time. your significant other or partner or husband or wife or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, obviously that's totally normal, but I do think that that's probably um, something that, you know, there she probably provides people with some tools. We can certainly ask her. I'm, I'm about, making a note. Yeah, yeah, about tools in the toolkit. I love you it. You know? Yeah. Getting sexy when you're not feeling sexy. 
Seriously. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, yeah, uh, I absolutely get that. Um, I'm making notes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's certainly one thing that we yeah we'll talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there may be like way less. Uh, our population may dwindle due to this um, <laughs> event. <laughs> Boy, I mean, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? There's a there's a whole swath of the population that is that was probably thrilled thrilled Ugh. yesterday. Yeah. I know where you are. Uh, you live in Nebraska. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> hey, um, and so anyone who lives in Nebraska, we love you. Uh, and thank you for listening to Fantasy Dating Radio. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I'm really at a loss today. I got to be honest, dude. This is a this has been a tough one. Well, you know what? Thank God. I, well, I think our 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 sex expert might be on the line to Good. rescue she's us. Gonna, she's gonna rescue us from the opening of the show today. Dr. Lori Beth, is that you? That is me. Hi, how are you? Oh, thank God you're here. We're so depressed about the presidential election here in the U.S. that we were having trouble being spunky. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. Actually, you know, every conversation I have had today has had at least five minutes talking about the disaster. So, Yes, yes. Well, and so from that, well, well first of all, um, when, would you please take a moment and introduce yourself and tell uh, the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Right. Hi, I'm Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am an intimacy coach and psychologist. I spend most of my time trying to help people create happier and healthier sexual relationships. Um, I work with people from all genders, orientations, and um, polyamorous, friendly, and kink knowledgeable, so across the entire spectrum. Um, I'm located in the UK, but you can probably tell from my accent I'm not here from here originally. I've been here 26 years, but I do a lot of work in the U.S. as well. And we would like to thank you very much for staying up so late to talk to us. We really appreciate that. <laughs> it is no middle of the problem. night there. <laughs> it is indeed. Well, so before you came on, we were actually talking about how we're not, we were saying, well, we're not feeling very sexy. Unfortunately, this may not be the, you know, the greatest night for this conversation. Um, and Ryan, and Ryan said, we have to ask Dr. Lori Beth, what do you do when you're not feeling sexy, but you want to actually, I mean, what do you do about sex when you're not feeling sexy? Okay, so if you want to actually have sex, but you're not feeling sexy, and you'd be surprised how many people come with this as an actual problem, because life is intense, and we have so much going on, and if you've got families, um, workplace place stress, and all the craziness going on in the world, a lot of times people don't feel sexy, but they do mm -hmm. actually want to have sex, and I actually tell people you need to go on autopilot. You know how you are with your exercise program? You know, most people yeah. don't love to exercise, right? That's not that's not originally. Once you get into it, you can love it, but most people don't love to exercise. And even when you exercise regularly, there are days that you wake up and you think, "I am, I just don't want to do this today." And you just sort of put yourself on autopilot and and push on. And I actually tell people to do the same thing with sex. Just get things started, because usually once you get things started. The mood kicks in. Okay. That's good advice. You got to get the ball rolling. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, serious. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I, hey, it sounds like a great strategy to me. Um, so, uh, but you actually mentioned big life events. And, like, what? how do you, yeah. um, how do you avoid letting life events get in the way of your sex life? So, Let's say that, you know, big, huge things happen. I mean, obviously this, uh, I mean, this election is upsetting, but, you know, big things like a loss of a family member or um, uh, a job loss or what do you, what do you do then? I mean, is that still an autopilot situation or is it bigger than that? I think it is bigger than that. I mean, I think you can still use the same tactic in the sense that it is good to, to push forward anyway. But you have to watch your rhythm. So, you know, assuming you're not having sex by yourself, although many people do. But if you're having sex with a partner, it's kind of your partner's job to help with that and to look at your rhythms and how you're managing the loss and approach in a gentle way and maybe start with some kissing and cuddling and see what happens and then not feel offended if the person who's grieving backs off, for example. But if you tend to spend a lot of time physically close, again, sex will usually kick in. Okay. So there you go. It's uh, I mean, it's great, great to hear you addressing. Um, I think intimacy as a as a big part of sexual uh, compatibility and experience. Obviously, I, I'm a little bit curious, Dr. Lurie, about just how. Um, what what would you say are the the main things that that make people sort of seek you out or seek out your services the types of uh the coaching that you provide okay so probably the most common is um in a relationship and the relationship either has never actually been sexually amazing or ha- once was and now isn't um oh. and so people will co- come to try and bring that back um, the second one is problems with orgasm. That's a really big one. Um, and often that's um, people seeking me out alone rather than with a partner. And most of the time it's women. Um, yes. And the third, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I just said that's yes. Big... I mean, <laughs> I, can, I concur there. <laughs> I'm with you. It's a big <laughs> issue. It's a huge issue. Um, and, and nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk about it. I mean, it's funny. I, I was actually, I had a, I went out with this guy for a while and, um, and I, I do not have, uh, I mean, I have to have a clitoral orgasm. I'm not going to have an orgasm through penetration. It just doesn't work for me. And I know that it doesn't work for a lot of women. And so when I would go and attempt to stimulate myself while we were having sex, he would uh, lose his erection and then tell me that it made him feel like he wasn't good enough and make me feel horribly guilty for not being able to achieve an erection just from penetration. So there are huge misunderstandings around female orgasm. Absolutely. I mean, 28 to 37% of the population cannot have an orgasm through penetration. There it is. I wish that guy One could hear third. you right now. <laughs> I actually, you, you'd be surprised how many times I've been saying this recently, because sometimes just hearing that alone, a woman goes, oh, God, it's, you know, it's not me. I'm not dysfunctional. 
It's simply yes. the way our anatomy is. Yes. It takes extra stimulation. The other thing is, is that women aren't quick. Some men are, and some men aren't. But women aren't as a rule. Women take time. And so if you're not going to spend some time in foreplay, unless you're in the very beginnings of a sexual relationship where, you know, that, that period where everything is very intense and you're halfway there before you even see the person, um, <laughs> usually women, you know, that, that's great. And, and unfortunately, that sets up, for the long-term relationship, that sets up some bad um, um, goalposts because – they don't yes. realize we're halfway there before we before we get there. You're talking yourself up all the time. But we usually need about 20, 20 minutes or so before we're going to oh, be yeah. ready to reach orgasm. And so that's actually a significant period of time, and I'm not sure guys always notice that. I'm, I'm agreeing with you so wholeheartedly I want to jump up and cheer and scream. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah no, so that's the second. That is the second thing people come in with because because the education isn't great, um, right? I, I mean, and and so it's not it's it's not a criticism of partners. They they just don't know, and the expectation is what we've been taught. You know, a man and a woman together, and and penetration is the thing. But for a lot of women, penetration definitely isn't it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think the key is that it is is being able to, uh, you know, talk openly about it. Like how I, you know, that example I just gave you of that ex-boyfriend, he just, I mean, w- was not able to talk about it, was not able to consider it. It was just an absolute no. So obviously the relationship ended. But, um, you know, the the key is, is, is to be able to communicate with someone and tell them, well, you know, this is what I like and this is what I need. And how do you, how do you help? people to learn how to do that because it's got to be freaking scary like if you're not used to doing that um and being that open and you know talking about your ex-boyfriend on the radio you know when there's tons of people (laughs) listening you know like (laughs) but you know what I mean so what what do you say to someone who's feeling really shy about that I mean it's a skill it's a skill that you have to practice I mean I think it's incredibly sad that in 2016 we still don't know how to talk about sex and if you are one of these sexual minorities, you probably know better how to talk about sex. And the reason is because if you don't talk about it, you don't get any. Mm. Right. So if if you are part of the heterosexual majority, you don't learn how to talk about sex necessarily. It's rare that people are taught look, you need to think about what you like and what you don't like and explore your needs, and then you need to communicate these to your partner. People think it's supposed to be, and I hate this word, it's supposed to be natural, right? If you have to talk about it, there's something wrong. And that's just BS. There's there's nothing wrong telling somebody what you need. Nobody is a mind reader. Some people are more observant than others, and so they might figure out what you need based on you know your body reactions and things like that, but you have a much better chance of getting what you need and having great sex if you actually are willing to talk. So if you don't know how and you are feeling shy, it's a skill you need to learn to practice. And usually what people are afraid of are being rejected by their partner. If you notice talking with a stranger on on the internet is far easier because if they reject you, who cares? Right. 
the person you've been dating um, for the last year, who you're hoping is going to be long-term relationship material, that person, you don't want them to go, ugh, when you mention something you like. So it's really a matter of, of practice. And sometimes practice happens with someone like me. So a person can build up their confidence and their courage and, and do a little role play about how a conversation might go. Um, there are also all sorts of exercises that you can do, written exercises. There, I've got like a list of 50 questions that you can explore as a game with each other. Ooh, that's good. Which puts a lot of stuff on the table because it's fun. And so it's less, yeah. I need to tell you what I need and, and you're not doing this right. And more, let's find out about each other. Mhm. It, it encourages. It, it is fun, and I mean, I think it, it. I mean, it's just like it's just like looking at the fantasy dating. How much fun is that? How much easier does it make it for people to actually get out there and date and kind of get over that initial concern, shyness, worry, or negative attitude? It's just something yeah. to get them moving and get them engaged. And so it's the same thing with learning to communicate about stuff like this. If you make it fun, then people drop their inhibitions and shame kind of goes away a little bit and they can really get talking. Definitely. Well, and I think that that's a really good point, too, The you know. Uh, so much of the uh, sexual conversation, especially in the United States, and sex education in you know junior high schools and high schools and even colleges in the country, I mean all of that stuff is is, is typically so not fun, and a lot oh, of it's yeah. a lot of it's abstinence only based, mm-hmm. which is uh, I mean just counterintuitive to me. I, I've never understood why that yeah. you know either. has other than other than with the specific reason of making people feel awkward about being open yep. about sex and their sexual behavior and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it, it kind of it brought up a question while you were talking um, that, you know, came up to me, which is having been in the United States for a long time and now being based in the UK, do you see a difference in the two cultures and the way that the that culturally sex and talking about sex is approached? Great question. To, to a point, to a point, but not much. It is it is sad but true. But for other reasons, um, British folk are as reticent to talk about it as Americans. Um, there are there is sort of less of the kind of um, save it till you're married kind of stuff. Um, but there's still there's still not a lot of encouragement to talk about sex. It's interesting because my my son is is hates the fact that his mother talks about sex on the radio regularly, <laughs> but he's, you know, he's 14 and a half and they are just doing their sex and relationship stuff, um, which is different from the kind of, this is what your body looks like part of things. You know, you remember that part of sex education. Well, this is, sure. this is kind of new and it, it's, it's refreshing to see that they're actually covering things like they started with consent Wow. And they started is that here or in the yes. UK. This is in the wow. UK, but it's also an it's an alternative school. It's not wow. the standard state school. Um, but wow. they started with cons- with consent, and they're using. I don't know if you guys have seen the cup of tea video. No. If you have okay, if you have not seen this, put in on your browsers in Google cup of tea consent. And okay. you will get – you probably get the U.S. version. There are – okay, there are three versions of this. The, the original one, I believe, was in the U.K. 
And the UK version from Thames Valley Police has no swearing in it. So if you're worried about swearing, which I'm not, but lots of people are, then go look, go look for, put in clean and you'll get either the American clean version or the British one. But it is, it is a video using the idea of making someone a cup of tea to discuss the issues around consent. And it is very funny. And it is, it's really easy to understand. So Sounds awesome. I mean, the upshot is, is that, you know, you, you can offer somebody a cup of tea and they don't have to take it. Um, you can make them the cup of tea and they can decide they don't want to drink it and you don't get to force them to do so. So they're using that analogy. And then they, they also bring up, and if someone's unconscious, you can't pour the tea down their throat mm. <laughs> to deal yes. with the issue of what happens when somebody says yes and they're intoxicated. So, it's, I mean, it's, it's, that's progress. And certainly that's being done in the U.S., but it's not being done in the school system as far as I know. And it's wow. not being used in the state school system here as far as I know. It's, it's, it's older it's it's when people get a hold of it and choose to use it within their classrooms. So you're right. We're we're not. We're, unfortunately, we don't seem to be educating our children any better. And and consequently, there's a rash of sexual infections still going on. Um, and teen pregnancy. I mean, we have a horrific rate of teen pregnancy in the United Kingdom, which tells wow. you how much sex education we have. Wow. And. I, I really don't understand what what gets in the way of this, um, but it's it's a huge issue. In fact, it's something I'm 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 doing at the moment. A project that I'm doing at the moment is working on a set of videos and a set of flashcards to help parents give children age appropriate information at various stages of development and to understand their sexual development in terms of physical, the psychological biochemical, and also culturally what's going on in the world around them. What are they being bombarded by? What are they seeing? And what might they be learning from that? To be able to start talking and having the conversation with their kids, because this isn't going to happen in school. Wow, that sounds amazing. I want those flashcards for my four nieces. (laughs) Okay, my God. Um, I'll let you know as soon as they're out. We've just started uh, putting this together. And part of it was I've just come back from – attending TED Women in San Francisco, and there was a researcher and journalist there called Peggy Orenstein, who's done a massive amount of um, stuff around girls and girls' development, and she was recently talking about girls' sexual development and interviewed, I think it was 70-plus young women between the ages of 17 and I think 22 about sex, and some of the things that she came back with were absolutely frightening to me about the kind of minefield that they're working through um, and how they feel devalued at every turn, basically. Um, so it's, oh, that's terrible. I thought about that. Can you that. give me some, some, just a couple examples of what, of what they're, um, sure. the minefield? So the, I'm just, I'm so sure. curious. So, well, so the idea is, is that you're supposed to be hot, right? You're supposed to be hot, but if you look too hot, you're a slut. If you're a virgin, it's bad, too. So where do you fit in that? Where's the middle ground there? There is no middle ground there. The message is still very much that women are the ones who control men's sexual impulses. Think about that for a second. We're in 2016, and we still think that if women 
look a certain way that they're asking to be treated in a certain way. Oh my God. And it's so, and of course, we're discussing that today of all days. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I know it's really frightening because, because we still, it's so ingrained in the culture. So we have the split between telling women that in some way they should be always available you know, and yet they should be perfect and virginal still. And then the, the kind of things that they're exposed to, I mean, she brought up a maroon, the Maroon 5 song, Animal, and the video that goes with that. And you have to think about what a 12-year-old seeing that, which ends with sex in, uh, in amongst blood, right? What kind of a message is that? Now, I'm, I'm not a big censorship person at all, in, in no way. But you do have to think about overall when the message, what messages you're giving at what ages and what stages and whether you're giving any counter message. So there's nothing wrong with that message, right? There's nothing wrong with talking about even extreme forms of sex, but you've got to give another, you've got to give a counter image. You need to give a wide picture. And if kids are only getting their info from the media, they're not getting a wide picture. Wow. So they get this really weird split thing and Girls don't know where they are. Oh, so so um, one of the things, it's, it's petrifying. She was talking about like the rise in vaginoplasty and labiaplasty. Oh, my God. In young women. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It's obscene, but that's what it is. It's there. But, but what, what, what comes home to me is, is, well, of course, how do we expect to talk to our daughters and our sons about this if we can't talk to each other about sex. And we're leaving a step out. Yeah. So, so, okay. So let's say you're a parent listening to this show. Um, How do you do that? Well, yeah, I mean, I think you have to start by looking at your, your sexual history and your experiences and making sure that any kind of trauma or things have been handled to the point where you can see clearly mm-hmm. what, what is specific to what you've been through and what are the actual risks and dangers that your children are facing in the world. And then you have to learn how to talk about this stuff. So you, heal, you get your own wounds healed, and you can do that in therapy. Um, I see quite a few people for sexual trauma that, as a psychologist, um, was one of my areas, post-traumatic stress disorder has been one of my areas of expertise since I started. Um, that's what I did my PhD research on a million years ago. Um, so that's, you know, it, it's working with people who've been through that to be able to have happy and healthy sex lives after. So if you're a parent and you've been through something, you need to get your own stuff seen too. And Hi. then start looking at what are the normal stages of development. Soon there will be a new product out there. That I'll have out the flashcards where you'll be able to kind of look at, okay, they're five years old. What's going on for them now? Because the idea that children aren't sexual from a very young age is a huge misconception. There, but there's a huge difference between a natural sexuality for a two-year-old, and people freak out when you say that. Like, you're in America, there will be... A, you know, many, many people freaking out hearing me say natural sexuality and two-year-old in the same sentence, right? Right. But it's true. Kids discover themselves. At about one and, a, one and a half to three years old, there's a big blossoming of them discovering themselves. And as parents, a lot of the time, 
what we end up having to do is to get them to discover themselves in private, right? <laughs> That's a big issue. Don't do this in public. Um, right. And if you're handing it, handling all that in a healthy manner, that's all you're doing. You're not, you know, making it be a bad thing or a horrible thing. They're discovering their bodies. There's nothing more than that. They don't need any information, just the information that this is a private activity. That's it. Right. Unfortunately, um, these days, one of the things that happens is that People start talking about things like they have a four-year-old with sexualized behavior. Yeah, and they must have seen something to have learned this sexualized behavior. So I will say, well, what what sexualized behavior are you talking about? Well, the child's masturbating. See, that's not sexualized behavior. That's normal behavior for a four-year-old. Now, if they're saying adult words and they're, you know, talking about adult actions while they're doing this, yes, that's not normal behavior. But if all they're doing is touching themselves, that's normal. And if you draw attention to it, you make an issue of it, you, you probably encourage them rather than discouraging them to do it in public. It should be something right. that's just dealt with in a very easy manner. Right. All right. Oh, I feel like this is a little heavy. Maybe we can get to some fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, really. Like going back to your 50 questions, I was thinking about that or however many questions uh, you mentioned earlier about, you know, discussing with with uh, with your partner. Um, that's got to be like a giant foreplay uh, it is. <laughs> session, right? It is. That's yeah. the whole point. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I tell people if you're going to do this. Don't well if you want to if you want to add some extra spice to it, do do part of it in a restaurant where, you know, you can't touch each other. Except surreptitiously sit sit in the corner and start having the conversation where everybody around you, you know, is is talking about today's events and you're talking about sex sitting in the corner in the middle of the restaurant or out in public in the restaurant. It can be much more exciting to do it that way. Um, Oh, absolutely. And then make sure that you have a place to go afterwards. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Good point. Or sometimes divide it up. Say you're going to deal with three questions um, a day for until you're finished, or one question a day for 50 days. Or I mean, it, it, there are about an unlimited number of ways to do this to make it fun. And and that's so cool. Like even if you just it, it, even if you did a question a day, that's something to look forward to at that at the end of the day or whenever you do it that day. Like uh, oh, all right, it's time for the question. What's the question? Um, yep. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and even if, even if you only have 15 minutes, you know, so spend that 15 minutes wisely. Yes, absolutely. That's very cool. So, um, do people, so obviously people come to you for, 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 you know, op- serious challenges. Um, like you mentioned earlier, PTSD, people who are, um, y- who are trying to, um, you know, get the, uh, get the spice back in their love life, Suzanne. Is that what you're Ryan? trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. No problem. You know, um, do people come to you just to, you know, who have, Fine, you know, their sex lives are fine, but they're but they're just looking to make them awesome. Like, do you get those oh, yes. people too? Oh uh, yes, that I do. must be fun. Um, uh, that's a lot of fun. I mean, we do. So over the years, I've done various kinds of workshops, and I do a weekend retreat 
um, for couples and relationship groups. Um, because I'm poly friendly, sometimes that means you get, you know, four people who are coming together or three people who are coming together because they're all in relationship to each other. And uh-huh. the, the activities during the weekend run the gamut from, you know, workshops like specifically on improving communication and different ways to communicate um, and ways to handle conflict when it comes up in relation to sexuality to um, exploring the sexual alphabet, which is something I spend a lot of time doing. I've got my own podcast, The A to Z of Sex, and then I, um, I blog on that as well, um, to looking at a, creating your sexual bucket list. And then we always do a field trip. And so depending on where we are is what the field trip will be. So um, once my favorite ones to do are taking people to things like fetish clubs or burlesque shows, um, something that they might not have done. Um, strip clubs are fun, but a lot of times you find that, that a good portion of people have been to a strip club. So it, it's fun to kind of move them a little bit out of their comfort zone. And then just giving people the opportunity to explore something they might not have done together before. And it's very just, cool. it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I love I love helping people explore new things that they haven't considered and look at different ways to kind of challenge their sexual routine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and even in your bio, I mean, it said that something about, you know, um, that you like to come up with out-of-the-box solutions for, you know, for <laughs> to help people. Um, and just, just the idea, I mean, I just made a note of, the sexual bucket list and you know i mean that's it's very, very cool fun. i'm gonna make a sexual bucket list <laughs> you should do um i think everybody should make a sexual bucket list uh and then look at look at the logistics of actually fulfilling it you know some things you might not be able to fulfill but it's it's worth having a look at the logistics of fulfilling it i do a sexual bucket list group online periodically where you know we meet <laughs> twice a month um, to create the list, and then once the list is created, it's once a month to see how people are doing um, and challenging people to, to check things off the list. So it, it just it can be a real laugh to see what people come up with, and and really exciting because oftentimes I get folks who are a bit older in groups like mm-hmm. that, so sort of 35 plus. The oldest person I've had was 72. Working through it. That's great. Yeah, no, it doesn't stop. That's the other thing that people people don't realize. You know, you can have good sex completely to the end of your lifespan. So there are people in their 80s still happily having good sex, people in their 90s having good sex, and I imagine that now that we have more folks in their hundreds, they're probably doing so as well. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Well, let's all hope so, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's hope so. That's hope it's fantastic. Absolutely. I look. I don't. I don't plan on stopping. So, um, you know, I. I, I, I mean, either. I'm, I'm going to go. Yeah. Go. Go out screaming and kicking. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Absolutely. Right on. That's awesome. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I'm just like awoke. I'm taking notes. Um, yeah, you've got a whole list of things on the page there that you're wonderful. you're ready to get out there and explore. Right on, Suzanne. Uh, I do. Well, I am. I mean, I find it fascinating, and I just think it's so important. You know, I mean, I've been in a relationship. I actually listened to one of the videos um, or video of you that I found online where you were talking about your um, 
uh, one of your personal experiences of, of being with um, in a relationship with someone who wasn't the right partner for you. Um, I, I don't know if you'd be willing to share a little bit about that, but I think that that's I, 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 I mean, thought I it was really find, powerful. Yeah, that that interview. I, I'm I'm surprised at how widespread that interview has been. I was quite happy with having it be on the internet, but um, so my first marriage was was pretty much sexless. And I say um, 12 times in eight years and then wait oh. for people's reactions to that. Um, and I'm a highly sexual person. And I thought that that was me, that there was something wrong with me. So um, was it my weight? Was it you know, my hair? Was it something I was doing? And it, it had nothing to do with me. But I was convinced. I was also convinced that there was nobody in the world else who was going through this. And it wasn't until... I was actually in the process of leaving him and I was talking to a colleague that I was fairly close to and I just blurted out that, you know, we hadn't really had sex for years. And she said, and I said I was the only one. And she said, you're not the only one. There are so many people out there. And it, it, it was interesting to me. I didn't relate it to what my clients were bringing in. You know, for me, it was this kind of deep, dark secret because People weren't coming in because they were having no sex. People were coming in to improve their sex. So a lot of times people don't come in when there's nothing going on because they're too embarrassed. Um, and then I went from that to another marriage that was just sexually incompatible. And again, it was awful. You know, you, I think you found myself feeling that I was just defective. That would be Horrible. the word I would use. It was a horrific feeling. Horrible. But I, as a as a person, I'm somebody who is, you know, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and and you know, get back on the horse that you just fell off of. So I decided I would have a look deeper at my own stuff, which I did, and go out there again and see what I could find. But be be only be willing to be in a relationship with somebody where I could establish that we were compatible. And so I'm on my third marriage. And we've been together, we're coming up on eight years, I think. Yeah, eight years. And we're married for two, and we have an absolute blast together. We oh, are that's great. Both, yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, we are really compatible. We still have to communicate and put all these the sorts of techniques that I teach people into practice, because otherwise, you know, life overtakes. You always need to put some work into the relationship, but... Um, I mean, I just challenge people because if I can do it, I think anybody can. <laughs> it, it's fantastic. just about it's courage. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Wow. Definitely. So uh, I found myself sitting here and thinking while you were talking about sort of being in a sexless marriage first and then now being with somebody who's, you know, you find yourself very compatible with and whatever. And I know that there is uh, just a huge range of what people think is an acceptable amount of sex or the right amount of sex that people should be having in their relationships or, you know, with their husband or wife or whomever. And clearly those things sort of change and evolve over time. But I, I wanted to ask you uh, what your opinions are in that, in that particular, uh, on that particular topic. What, what do you think is a, a healthy amount of sex for a person uh, in a relationship or not? In, I mean, either way, a good healthy amount of sex to be, you know, okay, living so a full this, and productive you know, life. Okay, so so people hate this response, but it's whatever works for you. 
It isn't, yes. you know, sort of once once a month or once a week or twice a week. There's no magic number. But a lot of times when people say, well, you know, what works for me is 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 once a month, I think, and what works for him is, you know, twice a week and he keeps saying we're not having enough sex and and this comes in as a big issue. And you look into it further and actually you find that it isn't that it once a month works. Things are in the way of the sexual relationship. So it's got to be what actually works for you. And you need to compromise with your partner. So if you're somebody who would like to have sex every day and there's somebody who would like to have sex once a week, you, maybe you can find a happy medium at you know three times a week or four times a week. But there needs to be a sense of compromise. And if you're really very split in your desires, then probably you want to talk to a coach to help you work on how, how that's resolvable. But some people want and need sex extremely frequently and other people are very happy with, you know, 12 times a year. That thrills them. There's no issue. That maybe just and, think about, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Well, it just made me think about, um, I'm thinking about all the, the, uh, you know, there are all these beliefs and misconceptions and whatever, um, uh, about sex. And it made me think about, um, and I lost my thought. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> it made you think about something. I know. And whatever it, it was that you were think thinking about. about was awesome. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, all right. It well, well, Suzanne's juicy. trying to figure out where, where her thought went and then get it back. I'll just respond by saying that I love that response. And I think that that is, is absolutely accurate. Uh, I find that too many people, uh, certainly people that, you know, that I know, um, friends of mine or whatever have, uh, they frequently, uh, I think people kind of compare notes a lot. You know what I mean? Like people Uh that are in friend groups and things like that, they compare notes a lot and they try to say, well, you know, how often are you doing it? How often are you doing what's going on with your life? And, and I, I think that, um, a lot of times people end up sort of assigning these, uh, superficial sort of numbers or ideas or thoughts oh, to definitely. what their sex life ought to look like versus what their sex life mm-hmm. actually is. And really, I think sort of what Dr. Lori Beth was saying is is that, uh, you know, it, it, it comes down to you communicating with your partner and making sure that you're both on the same page. You want to find somebody that you're compatible with. And so, again, it comes back to the communication aspect of it, though, to be able to figure out, like, hey, what works for you? What works for me? And then how are we going to be able to work it out together? Yeah, Absolutely. And also Absolutely. also something you said about over time, you know, people do shift and change over time. That doesn't mean that they necessarily slow down forever, but they do shift and change over time. If you get married and you have a child, it's it's likely that you're going to have less sex for a while. Oh, absolutely. Well, and also, you know, we actually had a love biologist on a couple of weeks ago who was talking about what happens to your brain uh, mm-hmm. when you fall in love and, and all the chemicals firing off and the how after, you know, a year or so, your the, the logical part of your brain turns back on and, you know, things slow down and it's not so yep. much about... Yeah, and it's not so much about being uh, unable to keep your hands off each other. Things just sort of start to... Um, I hate to use the word settle in, but, you know, things just sort of start yeah, to um, normalize. I don't know, whatever. But um, no, and you're, it is settle in. You're right. I mean, that's what your body is doing. It's trying to create some homeostasis again. <laughs> yes. It doesn't like word. being that crazy. Right. Right. 
And so it's going to be totally, completely different. I mean, when you first meet each other, you can't keep your clothes on. It's like it's craziness. And then, you know, a year or so later, it's going to be totally, completely different. And so I think people have to um, understand that. And then uh, so how do you – so, okay, how, how do you um, help a couple who feels like, well, it's not the same way it was in the beginning when we were ripping each other's clothes off? Um, well, it's never. First of all, it's never the same way as it was. No, so that, I start I agree. out with saying things. Things always change, and I hate when people kind of freeze a moment in time and say it was like that, and that's what I'm looking for. But the other thing is, you can kickstart it. I mean, the part of what goes started is newness, right? Yeah. It's 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 surprise. It's shock. It's it's things. It's the unknown, and that's what gets those things started. What gets those chemicals started? So you can jump start start that by doing new things. By being unpredictable. And so you can get, you know, you won't get the same chemical cascade that you had at the beginning, but you can get quite a few new ones. And so still kind of have that have periods of time where you have that level of excitement that you did at the beginning. Great. And I finally remember what I was going to say before. So <laughs> I wanted to ask you about, um, uh, about stereotypes, about, about, how men and women differ when it comes to sex. You know, there are stereotypes that men, men want sex more than women do. And, you know, women get more emotional about sex than men do. And, um, do you, do you, what are, what are the biggest stereotypes that you run into and, and, and could you please debunk them? (laughs) Well, and men want sex more than women is definitely the biggest stereotype. And in some instances it's true. But in a lot of instances, it's not. It is surprising how frequent it is that when a couple comes in complaining about the amount of sex they're having, it's the women who are saying we're not having enough. Yeah. Oh, I, I can um, imagine. So, so it's not. It's definitely. Um, I think men are more vocal about the sex that they want. Men are more able, and part of that is is um, is a stereotype, but they. They have permission to talk about sex, to ask for sex. I mean, that's a reality. That's not a stereotype. The way that that things are set up, our um, power dynamics in our relationships, is men usually have the permission to ask for those things. Um, And women don't feel they do. So true. Women women are just not as good at, at, at asking for it. And so... Um, it it will often be the woman who's coming in and saying, you know, God, we don't, we just don't do it. And I don't know how to get him interested. And, he, you know, he may be interested. He may just be waiting for you to ask. But that is the yeah. business. Well, and I know, I mean, I know, um, I mean, I know for me personally, like, I, I, want, I want to feel wanted all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really important mm-hmm. for me to feel desired. And so mm-hmm. if there is a lack of sex, I start to feel like what is wrong with me um, when I know there's nothing wrong with me, you know, but it's, it's still that emotional sort of response, even though my logical brain is telling me there's nothing wrong with me. Um, so uh, your logical brain in that situation, though, so should then go, hey, Suzanne, stop being an idiot and just uh, go tell him you want to get laid. I, you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's. I think that, I mean, I, and I think that's, that's obviously something that we're, you know, talking about right now and that we're addressing, but that's totally true. I, I do think that, 
women probably do have a more difficult time vocalizing when they want to have sex. Oh, and, I don't like, have a and, problem. No, no, of course, you, no, of course I'm, you don't. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not, I'm not using that to, you know, as a, as a big brush to, you know, paint everything broadly. But I mean, I do think that, um, there are certainly cases where I feel that, you know, women, uh, have the opportunity to have as much sex as they want. And sometimes they just aren't vocal about asking for it. And I, that's certainly a societal mm-hmm. issue True. and it's an educational issue and it's all of that kind of stuff. But like, yeah. you know, um, it's true. And it probably has the, a lot to do with the permission. Dr. Lori Beth was just talking about. Yeah. yeah. And, the other, um, and the other part of that, I think the other part of that is, is that, you know, men also have permission not to want to have sex every night. Right. And, and, and there's this, there's a stigma if a guy doesn't feel like it. If she asks and he doesn't feel like it, then that's a really big issue. If he asks and she doesn't feel like it, unless she's saying she doesn't feel like it and she has a headache every night, it's not a big issue. She's allowed to say no, whereas he's really not. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. I'd never really thought about that. I haven't either, and I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder if that's why. Because, I mean, honestly, if I, when, when I get rejected, I, I really do – I mean, it, it hurts. <laughs> uh-huh. So, you know, I mean, I take it, it's very difficult for me not to take it personally. I, it's been a lifelong challenge. I'm just being so transparent right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, it, I mean, uh, I think, I think if, if you can like consider reframing it and actually, if you can step back from the situation for a second and look at whether really there is something concrete going on with him right at that moment, because, they uh, guys rarely feel that they can say no if they can't perform on the instant you know they're supposed to be able to perform immediately and if they can't perform immediately that's a whole huge self-esteem hit there's a whole huge set of issues so if you are able to step back from it for a second it probably isn't you thank you I feel much better now. <laughs> I'm sure it's not you, Suzanne. <laughs> oh, you are so cool. welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right. So what else should we know? We're going to, you know, wrap it up in a few minutes and let you finally sleep. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I'm jet lagged anyway. I've, I've only been back from San Francisco for a week, so I'm probably still closer to Pacific Coast time than I am um, UK time. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, thank um, you. We really appreciate it. I mean, I think, you know, have more sex. That's one of the things. Have more sex, most definitely. Talk about sex. Make that a, make that something fun that you do with your partner. And But before all of that, have an exploration about what you want and you need. Yeah. Because that's where it starts. If you don't know what you like, if you don't know what you need... You can't communicate that to somebody else, and it's not up to them to discover that for you. Absolutely not. We have to take personal responsibility for our bodies and our and our and our sexual desires. It's true. Um, yeah. So to talk about it more, I mean, obviously, I love your idea with the with the fifty questions and. Um, I mean, I guess you could even uh, it, uh, people could write their own questions or ask their own questions. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, but I think that's an excellent exercise. Uh, are there any other tips that you have on on how to talk about it a little bit more, or is it just a practice? Or 
Sure, you can start. If, if you want to kickstart a conversation, you can agree to either watch something erotic, read something erotic. So use somebody else's ideas to kickstart a conversation. You know, Great. if there's some pornography you like, go and watch go and watch the porn together. If there's an erotic movie you like, there's all sorts of um, movies that don't quite make it to pornographic that are actually often hotter than the standard pornography that's out there. Go watch one of those together. There's um again there are, there are, there are a number of lists around, and if people don't know where to start looking, they can ping me an email and I'll send them links to lists of you know the. the sexiest movies of all time, those sorts of things. Um, and, um, you know, use books. There's a ton of written erotica and sometimes reading to each other to kickstart a conversation. Yeah. So that it, that's it, sexy. instead of saying, instead of saying, this is what I want and I have to come up with the words, I can give you somebody else's words. Sometimes that's a little easier and it is sexy. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, that is sexy and a lot of fun. That's great. All right, so where can let, everybody yeah, find let our you? listeners know where they can where they can find all of this great information on the interweb and elsewhere. You said you have a podcast and a blog and all of the above, so please fill us in on where all of that stuff can be found. Okay, so we've got um, one website is www.theintimacycoach. There are dashes in between the words .dot com. Um, the other website is www.a2zofsex.com or ato z o f s e x dot com and the blo- the podcast is a to z of sex dot com and it's on iTunes. Um, at the, uh, I think this week was e. Coming up Monday is f. Um, the podcast is um, a wide variety from ordinary conversations with ordinary people off the street to talking with sex experts. To um, this week e was with a psychoanalyst. So it's a really wide range of folks. Um, Very cool. And, yeah, it's great fun. We're having a blast. Um, And so easiest way to reach me probably is to drop me an email off of either of the sites. I check email lots and lots, and there's also a phone number down there. Um, I do travel quite a bit, so um, don't think that because you're in the States and I'm in the U.K., that means that there's not a chance to see me face-to-face. In fact, I'm in Maryland and Washington, D.C. Um, over the Thanksgiving break, and I'm seeing clients for part of the time that I'm there. Um, and then I'm in uh, New York, New Jersey area in December um, between Christmas until just after New Year's. Wonderful. This is great. You're helping people everywhere. I do my best. <laughs> I have a blast doing it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real, uh, real pleasure talking to you and getting to – hear some of your thoughts and and uh hopefully people will uh seek you out yeah yeah this has really been great and especially today of all days we really appreciate you um uh joining us and and talking about stuff that needs to be discussed (laughs) really and thanks it's been so much fun um and i look forward to speaking to you guys again in the future Fantastic. Thank you. Good night. Take care. <laughs> Good night. Well. Bye. Bye. That's fascinating. Yeah. Oh my God. I love the fact that there's like a person in the world. I mean, I'm sure that there are several of them, but like she's got a really cool job. That is a really cool job. Yeah. I mean, she's taking people to burlesque shows and um, fetish 
uh, parties. Yeah, I mean, fetish on. clubs. Or fetish clubs, that's yeah. what it was. That's not all she does. No, I know, but that's a pretty good part She's not just like a fetish tour it. guide. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Which, maybe that's a cool job. I don't know. Those maybe are probably, I should look into that. Yeah, you could probably do all right as a fetish tour guide. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, seriously, like, cool job helping people, uh, you know, achieve awesome and fulfilling sex lives. That's pretty, that's a pretty great job. It's a pretty great job. Uh, and it's so important, you know. And uh, I mean, and actually, the thing that she left out when she was talking about the marriage, um, one of the things that she said on the video was that that she that she finally just decided to let it go. She decided that it didn't matter if they didn't have a sex life. Mm. It didn't matter because he was, you know, a great person and, you know, they loved each other or whatever and it just didn't matter. And and uh and then, and then after that, she said, and it always matters, and it has to matter. And you know, and then she went into also the 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 physical benefits of having a healthy sexual relationship, and how it boosts your immune system, and it makes you, you know, I mean, it makes you healthier. Yeah. Um, but also how how obviously a relationship it helps a relationship. It it, it makes people feel closer and. As intimacy and all of that. I just thought that was so interesting. The whole, you know, but it's okay or it didn't matter. I don't know. Anyway, she was fa- she's fascinating. That was very cool. Yeah, great guest. We'll have to have her back. We'll have to have her back. You should go see her while you're in New Jersey over the holidays. Are you going to be in New Jersey over the holidays? No, I'm going to Vermont. All right, never mind then. Yes. So yeah. So that's it. So awesome. All right. Well. I don't know what's happening next week. We'll figure it out. I have a maybe. We gotta, we gotta, we got some things to figure out in the in the next week. Yeah. Um. Hopefully next week will make a lot more sense. I will have slept more than three hours, and I will not be horribly distraught. Yeah. I will have dealt with my uh, frustration and um, lack of ability to verbalize because I just I feel like I've got hit in the face with a bat. I know I did too. Last night I oh just I feel like every everything is stupider today and it made me feel kind of stupid today so i just i'm sorry if i wasn't wasn't really on my a game for you today Suze. i wasn't really on my a game either so but, uh, god bless dr Lori beth because she was yeah she so. was great <laughs> good she carried she really carried the conversation today it was good <laughs> she really did thank nice you jesus job. i was like forgetting things and yeah anyway well what the hell we'll figure it out this week we'll figure it out that's this what week. we're gonna do until then people oh just be kind to each other and do it a lot yeah and do it a lot Oh, God. Good night.